This is Katie, and welcome back to the Writeability Podcast. I am here today with Lisa McCary Freeman, and we are talking about quoting effectively, how to quote in your English papers. Lisa, you want to introduce yourself? Yep. My name is Lisa McCary Freeman. I'm an English instructor at COS, and I'm normally at the Hanford campus, but like you all, I am online. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> So today we're talking about quoting. This is a thing that I like actually spend a lot of time working with my classes on. Me too. Uh, so it's like important. So well, let's start with definitions. So first of all, what what is quoting? So when I think about quoting, I'm usually talking to my students about like something they've read and they are picking out a phrase or a sentence or maybe even a couple sentences from a text that they've read that they can bring in word for word exact language into their own essay with quotation marks around it right the quotation marks are the important part because if you don't use quotation marks that is essentially plagiarism that's a pretty good definition i know one of the things you had just said before we started recording was occasionally students think when you say look for quotes that you only mean like times that author had quoted, right? Right. Um, and that's a thing to like watch out for. Really, if you're asked for quotes, the entire essay is fair game. You just have to remember that when you're quoting, you're pulling the exact language, right? You're not changing anything or modifying anything. You're pulling the whole thing over, putting quotation marks around it. And you are still allowed to modify language in English qu papers, oh, yes. but we call that paraphrase and you don't put quotations around it anymore. So it's a thing we both spend a lot of time on in our classes. Why? Why is this important? Why should is quoting a skill that students need to learn in English one? Commonly, your instructors might say that it's, or they might refer to quoting as textual evidence or evidence, right? Because essentially what you're doing when you're writing is you're making these points or you're making these arguments. And so in order to what we call support your argument or support your points, right, you're going back to the things that you're reading and finding information there to support what you have to say. And so those quotes are essentially like serving as backup singers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I tend to like say like there's like there's evidence and like there's different kinds. Sometimes it is quoting. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's summary. Sometimes it's paraphrase. Summary is when you take the whole text and condense it smaller, right? Paraphrase is when you put it in your own words. Quoting is just one of those ways. But English yes. tends to like for the quoting a lot of the time in English papers, we want to kind of lend our papers credibility by hearing it from, from the horse's mouth, right. From hearing yeah. it in the language that it was actually written. Cause I think for English instructors and classes and stuff, we care a lot about like little language choices. Right. So yes. like to me, I'm like, no, I want to hear how they said it. I want to know what exactly they said. And that's why we often prefer quotes over other forms of presenting that evidence. Right. Yeah, you could be in a science class and they're going to prefer paraphrasing because you can easily paraphrase a, you know, a data set or a paragraph in your own words. Whereas in English, the more precise you are with the original language, the better. So, I mean, I guess we get a lot of questions about quoting, right? Should we go through some of those questions that students ask us? Yes. A lot of times my students will ask me, 
how many quotes can I use in my paper? That is a choice that you make. You are the decision maker as the writer. I always recommend that my students, whenever they choose the quotes, right, that they're able to either explain them or connect them back to the major point that they're trying to make. So I think the thing that you want to try to avoid quoting and quoting and quoting and quoting back to back to back to back without really any of your own voice in between there. Right. So using quotes is super important, but you don't want to lose your voice at the same time. Yeah. Occasionally I'll have students who'll turn in like full paragraphs that are quotes. And I'm like, yeah, it's not plagiarism, but you should not do that. Like just as a convention in English, we want to hear your voice too, not just the voice of these other people. It's a hard balance though to quote enough, but not have a paper that's like 50, 60, 70% quotes. It's something that you have to work on to develop your voice and make sure you use it to frame the quotes. Yeah. And so probably what you want to do is when you pick out quotes, I know that I did this a lot when I was in college. That's kind of like how my brain works. I would copy them down on a piece of paper and then I would color code them based on what paragraph they were going into. That's beautiful. And then next to them, I would actually make notes to myself about why I was using that quote or what I wanted to say about it. And so I think that's important is that you kind of like make sure that you're not just picking them to take up space in your paper, but have a purpose with it. So if it's just to explain it, or if it's to help you develop a point that you're trying to make, like whatever it is you're trying to do, just make sure that you come forward and say that. Because, you know, like as a reader, and I know that a lot of students have done this, they've read something and they're like, well, so what? Right. And so the same thing happens with you as a writer. You kind of have to like go back in your own head and say like, why am I using this here? And be explicit about that on the page. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is this or what I'm trying to show is this. When in your writing process do you find your direct quotes? Yeah, I would say like I don't do it the first time I read, but probably the second time I read. And before you're writing, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's important. I occasionally will have students who will submit a nearly complete draft to me without any sources or any quotes yes. yet. And they say they plug them in at the end. And I noticed that actually as a reader. And like you can tell that the quotes don't really belong. They're not really at home in the essay. Uh-huh. because they forced them in at the last minute. And I mean, it does, it helps make your papers longer. Like if you're worried about it, your paper length, like if you are quoting well, it takes up a lot of space. Definitely. And so, you know, if you want to use a bunch of quotes in your paper, go for it. Just as long as you're able to have your voice there to balance it, that's good. So one thing I talk about a lot of my classes, how to introduce quotes. I personally, and this is an English pet peeve, but don't like when quotes are a sentence by themselves. I don't know how you feel about drop quotes. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of the drop quotes either. I know they do it in like journalism and stuff, but right. like it drives me nuts in papers. Yeah, I, I guess it's a it's definitely an MLA convention, and chances are you are definitely going to have an instructor that requires you to integrate to your quotes in some way, right? It's sometimes called like the quotation sandwich. It's basically making whatever you chose to quote from your text part of your sentence. So that's why we call it integrating it into your sentence. And so the easiest way to do it is to use what we call a signal phrase. And so it can be somewhere in the sentence before, after, right? But it essentially is saying like, now I am quoting this. Could be as easy as according to Katie Barbarian, she says, and then you put your quotation right after that. It's supposed to at least indicate to the reader these words belong to this person or this information came from this source. If it's like 
uh, an article or a documentary you watched or something. I tell my students, like, imagine if it was like a conversation, like you were saying earlier, like being read out loud. Like if I just said, if I said one sentence and then I said another sentence and this next sentence was quoted from someone, I wouldn't know unless you said, and she said, or something like yes. that. So I, I encourage them to do that. I also personally encourage my students to sometimes even take a sentence before that quote, just to uh-huh. say the name of the author, yes. why they matter, give some context, yes. give the name of the source itself right. before they move into that she said part. Because I mean, some of you know who I am from listening to this, but if Lisa just wrote in a paper, according to Katie Barbarian, blah, blah, blah. If you all don't know who Katie Barbarian is, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But if you say something like Katie Barbarian, English professor at College of Sequoias, host of this podcast, I don't know. Um, but then that lends you some credibility because uh-huh. you're like, oh, this person might know what she's talking about because she's a professor of English and not just some random person on the street. Yeah. I mean, we've all had that experience, right? Where we read something online or we read something that a friend gives us, right? And we have that moment of like, well, who is this, right? And so that's exactly what signal phrases do is not only do they indicate who's speaking, but usually tries to kind of give, like you said, some context to that writer. And you can choose how your reader reads that quote by what context that you give. I often give my students this example. I used to have this like monster theme class and we would read this article by Stephen King. We talk about like, you could introduce a quote from that article in a couple ways. You could say, you know, Stephen King, best-selling horror novelist, which lends him a lot of credibility. But also the article we read was like originally published in Playboy in like (laughs) the 80s. So like if you said um, Stephen King, author of, I think it's called Why We Crave Horror, published in Playboy, obviously that's going to give your reader a different impression, especially if they don't know anything about him coming in. I tell my students like, you can shape what you want people to think about this by the information you choose to give. Like there's a lot of power there, right? Sorry, I'm thinking, I forget that Playboy actually has articles and not just centerfold. Uh, Yeah, apparently, I'm like, (laughs) they publish like short stories and shit in it too. Wow, (laughs) nice. Let's see, we did the how much, oh, like how much to quote sometimes is a question that students will Mm. have. Like, well, how, like, I like this whole paragraph. Can I use this whole paragraph? And technically you can, but imagine you as the reader having to read that, right? Like, I think, like you said, was it this podcast or maybe another one? Like we're just kind of like an antsy generation. We don't read as well anymore. If you're giving us like a big chunk of text to read, you're probably also going to have to do some work breaking that down a little bit in your own voice. It's a choice, but maybe just choose the best sentence or two from that. And then maybe you're able to paraphrase. Right. Or summarize it more or break it up farther and not have it all at once. Yeah, I feel like it's very seldom where I read a full paragraph that the student actually needed the whole paragraph. Right. And I and I know that is a tendency for some students when they realize like, oh, no, I still need 500 words or I still need like a page of stuff to write. And then they'll just like choose this giant quote because they just need to take up space in their paper. And that's no mystery to any instructor that that is exactly what you're doing. And we can tell, we can tell when you're padding your paper. <laughs> Any other things? I feel like we talked about a lot of good tips. We want those signal phrases, how long they should be. We want them introduced. For English, you're going to have MLA citations right after your quotes, which are important. Normally they're the last name of the author and the page number. And again, this is one of those things that if you need help with quoting, talk to your instructors mm-hmm. or talk to a writing center tutor. Like they will help you. Yep. I want to ask you what you're learning again, but you already told me in the last episode. I'm also learning how to make 
different pies right now. I'm baking different kinds of pie. What kind of pie are you making? I made a peach and nectarine pie last night. That sounds delicious. Getting to that point where I can like mix it all and like not look at a recipe and just start like adding stuff in and go by smell. I've made people weddings, wedding cakes, but I have not made a pie. I've (gasps) never baked a pie. Yeah. Uh, I do the dirty trick where I just use pre-made pie dough. Good job, Lisa. I'm sure it was delicious. It was. was. Anyway, thanks guys. Thanks for listening. If you need either of us, uh, our email addresses are on the COS website. I'm Katie Babarian. Yeah. Thanks a bunch.